thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Education Tonight with Brent Poland and Adam Space. We're just, Spence even, we're just waiting for Brent and Adam to join us. In the meantime, um, it's a great time for us to tell you that you can listen back to all of our shows on our website ttradio.org forward slash listen back have you checked out our new collections collections are groups of four shows organized by topic and they are perfect to advance your domain specific personal and professional development we've got shows on teaching maths teaching english um, leadership teaching history um, working in alternative provision um, got new collections coming up as well we've got a collection on attendance coming up we've got um, an We've got a collection on um, artificial intelligence, which is already up there. We've got a collection on digital skills. So they are available on our website, ttradio.org forward slash collections. If you're not following us already, make sure you do follow us at TT Radio Official on Twitter, um, which is now called X. And make sure you drop us a follow at Teachers Talk Radio over on LinkedIn. Um, So, yeah, we're looking forward to bringing you the show with Brent and Adam very soon. And we look forward to them joining, which I'm just going to pause a little bit while I just see where on earth they are. Brent and Adam are on their way. So while we wait for them to come in, I can see that Adam is um, active on Twitter, at least. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, it feels like my year nine lessons, to be honest with you, when they all sort of wander in five minutes later and they're like, oh, I was at the toilet, sir, or, or whatever. Um you know, it feels a bit like that, to be honest. Um, I think we're going to have to keep them behind at the end for a little bit, just to give them a bit of a talking to. But anyway, bright and early as usual, only three minutes late today, it is Brent. I think that's really unfair, because we were thinking you're late. I just had a message going, where, 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 are, where are you? I've been, I've been searching. I went live, bang on, half past seven. I said, I said that. I said you would be. We just couldn't find you anywhere. I, really. I was like, hold on. It's not like Tom HP. He's probably at, at seven, seven, seven fifty nine and fifty nine seconds. You know. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. Yes, just couldn't couldn't connect. Um, yeah, so we've got a good one tonight. Um, yeah, I do ironically absenteeism and lateness. Maybe. Uh, absenteeism. <laughs> we we were here ready to go with the rival. <laughs> we've even got Timur TV to uh, Timur T tonight. Yeah, but we're like the pupils outside the room saying, "I'm on time." I'm on time, and, sir. And you're literally late. No, but I'm not. I wasn't. Tell me about your T-shirt. Yeah, so I thought, we obviously, we've not got the beanbags tonight, so I thought I'd start dressing for this. So my daughter brought me this out of her uh, Secret Santa. Yeah. Um, I said, oh, am I Ken enough? And uh, that was my Christmas present, so, so now, now I've got to deal with it. So I'm going to be very careful about what I say now. So we have a turmeric tea-drinking um, rainbowed, Am I Ken enough guy sitting beside me? Yeah, this, this is the future. You've got, you don't need with the times, Brent. Um, yeah. Well, there are some things we have to move with the times and yeah. some things we don't. Yeah. So tonight, we're going to look at um, this wo- week's the, being... Am I the way karate? You're, you're the woke karate. The literal woke karate. Apparently, now my year 11s confessed this today a bit. We had, we had a bit of a rupture and repair moment where they, you know, I fell out with them before Christmas. Now we're all good with each other because we're, we're all making cups of tea. Not turmeric yeah. tea, of course. Green tea for some of them. They're all, they're all, they, they are Wokarati. Yes, yeah. and, and one of them confessed and pulled out uh, a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper was Mr. Polanisms. They've been playing Poland bingo for a while. 
So uh, apparently uh, there is teachers talk radio with Poland bingo as well. So okay. everywhere I go, people seem to have Poland bingo, but they tick off the list and go, oh, here, here, here comes that one. So, yeah. yes, we'll see how many we get tonight. Um, yeah. First we'll, of we'll, all... We'll post the board up maybe so other people can play along during the show. Yeah, well, this is true. See how many see how many get full house, you know. So we yeah. hear somebody said house. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the time I got married and they all took, took dibs on how long my wedding speech would be. Yeah. Three post-it notes and it was 22 and a half minutes, which was, was not bad, actually. I think, think it's harsh to give the uh, Kenny enough jumper away to the winner of the Paul and Bingo. You would have flicked that upon anybody else, <laughs> honest to goodness. <laughs> Middle-aged guys and we're wearing clothes like this. Just, just, it's, it's, so it's, the funny thing was, we were in London over for Christmas Eve yeah. and um, we were staying at a Premier Room. And uh, I had to, my daughter made me go down for breakfast on Christmas Day in this in this in this jumper, and it's uh, it's garish, isn't it? It's, you know, it's it's, it's, it's a father's job to humiliate their children, not the other way around. You know, yeah. you get this get this right. It's our job to make them cringe and yeah. dad jokes. Apparently, that was one of the things as well. Um, my dad jokes are um, appalling. Apparently, my puns, my yeah. comebacks, and uh, what what sort of sets my year 11s off? They quite endearingly they say. You think you've got a sense of humour, you think you're funny, but sir, it's so cringe, it's mm. so bad sometimes. And apparently, I like doing like Roger Moore type of puns. Yeah. Well, they seem to think it's it's yeah. it's unique. So that was the 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 saddest Christmas Day experience though, because the uh, premium was next to the uh, Toby Carberry, and um, while I was loading the car up to move on on Christmas Day, because we're going to some in laws, mm. um, I saw the Toby Carberry Santa Claus <laughs> come out of his. Uh, Nissan, Nissan, cash, cash, car, uh, in in full regalia, ready for ready for a day of giving out presents to the Toby oh. Carberry for maybe a Santa breakfast or something at the Toby Carberry in 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 London. But, Fair uh, play to them. But, so yeah. this week's been a good week for education. In fact, in the sense of it seems to have hit a critical mass. Um, I think other than the, the the scandal, which you know the twenty year scandal of the postmaster postmasters. Yeah. Uh, education was definitely high on the political agenda, so it's, it seems it's, it's amazing how it came right out of the blocks and attendance for both parties. Are, I think well, I think they saw the figures and realised uh, if it's an election year, I think it's one of those. Uh, I think they think it's a low hanging fruit. Mm. Uh, my read is is quite simply, you, you know, it's the number one priority. The next person that says to me the number one priority, I, I, I seriously that word needs to be banned. The priority, yeah. the people's priorities, the priority this priorities for schools is multiple. I, 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 somebody who says this is the most important thing in schools has got no idea what's going on in schools because. Mm. I can't do a Maslow hierarchy of needs of schools, from, from the physical buildings to the recruitment and retention, to the funding, yes. to mental health, to bullying, to behaviour, to safety, physical safety, metaphysical safety, uh, curriculum. Draw up a list. Mm. If you, if, uh, there, there's, there's a Diamond Nine exercise for, for listeners. If you could Diamond Nine every problem we have in school, mm. could you rank them in order of preference? That would be a really good sort of, um, imagine you, you did that what would be the top sort of issues. Mm. I do think school attendance is one of the top issues. Mm. But for me, I'd say it underpins a lot of other issues, which itself would explain yeah. the attendance. And I don't think you can tackle attendance issues without tackling poverty. I don't think you can tackle attendance issues without tackling curriculum. I don't think you can atta tackle attendance issues without tackling um, the social contract being broken and the responsibilities of parents versus school versus state. I think there's a definite negotiation of that triangle of whose responsibility the children are and what our job is, what the parents' job is and what the government's job is because there are a lot of blurred lines. And we saw an example of that today with about teeth brushing 
And we had that discussion a couple of weeks ago yeah. about teeth brushing. And I know Paul was, was, was chirping in about the kids with nappies, kids coming in with nappies, kids not coming in, you know, with basics of knives and forks. And, and th- those things that you say to yourself are should be the responsibility of parents. And then you get the other side of it is you sort of get the parent bashing without understanding of in my day this and my day that and people who, who sort of compare generations not realizing that we are living in a generation of two working parents we are living in a generation of you know austerity then a, a pandemic then a cost of living crisis with a huge amount of funding cuts with massive changes in education and unusually you've had a government for 13 years although you've had a single p- political party in charge we had how many elect- education secretaries in how many things i think we're we're now seeing in many ways the same as at national health services same as any of the public services i think we're seeing the impact of one crisis after another crisis after another crisis after another crisis and if somebody's looking for the magic bullet of attendance is caused because parents have less of faith in school that is part of it mm. parents are um struggling with children's mental health that's part of it mm. um children themselves are struggling with the curriculum that's part of it. Children are struggling to access the curriculum because it's it's dull as compared to staying at home and playing computer games. It's more fun for them. Um, more online lessons. We, we've in ourselves proved that you can be taught in different ways. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of accidentally undermined ourselves yeah. by what we did during COVID. That was an unintended consequence. Yeah, so, I think. so progressive parents and children probably say, where, where is that future? Exactly. Yeah. Schools are suffering from the fact that they're not upgraded. They've not got the technology. They've not got... When we, we talked about before, when I was in school in, in the 1980s, we had one BBC master computer, and that was kind of like as if something that was out of Star Wars. It was like a sci-fi. Now, the technology in schools or our, our schools themselves, the physical fabric of schools is archaic. It's out of date. It's not moved with the times. It's not as fun as it used to be. It's quite serious, overloaded curriculums. You add it all together, and if somebody, social media guys or, or, or you know, so commentators on, on, on news programs are always looking for, what is it that's driving attendance? And what we'll try and do tonight is try and unpick all of these things and say, what is it that's driving attendance? Uh, you know, is it to do with the motivation of the children? Is it to do with the, this generation of children? Is it something that we're doing? Is it? Is it the? Is it, I don't think one thing I'm going to say, and, I'm, and maybe I know I'm I'm, I'm on the side of, of the teaching profession. I don't think the teaching profession has ever been as qualified, as hardworking, as diligent, and literally stepped way over. I think mission creep. I think we are working beyond, I think, previous generations. Mm-hmm. The the idea that we don't work hard enough is, is 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 never going to be the thing that I think is is what's causing absenteeism. And in fact, I think we work harder um to fill the gap because there is massive gaps in society. And I think we're stepping into the breach. And I think one of the reasons why many of us are burning out is because we're carrying around a lot of guilt. Um, we're carrying around a lot of um a lot of our own sort of, are we, are we not doing enough? And, and many of us are busting a gut to try and override all of these other factors and be the rescuing factor. And and those of us who are still in education who are in it because, you know, we do feel that way and we're, and we're, I suppose, resilient enough. And that's not to say that people have left the education profession aren't. They absolutely are. And every, every one of us has different reasons for it. But the thing of it is, is that you have a situation where our, our profession has been hollowed out and people are... I suppose in it now because they have to be in it for the for the children. And that's why some of us you know, stay doing this mm-hmm. because we know how difficult it is. We know that we are sometimes the deciding can be that that rescuing saving factor for the children. 
But at the same time, one of the, my bugbears and one of the things that really upsets me is when somebody turns around and says to me, this child, look at the data, this child didn't do well at GCSEs. What have you done? And I'm thinking, what more do you want me to do? I cannot be responsible for their attendance. I cannot have a child doing 70 to 80%, sorry, going to school 70 to 80% of the time and missing 20% of a curriculum in an overloaded curriculum. I can't be responsible for every aspect of the child's education. I cannot be. And yet there have been instances, of course, where many teachers have been, you know, their performance-related pay, their, their careers have been ruined as a result of the fact of factors like attendance out of their control. Offset. I just read an offset report for a school in Nottingham. And you cannot make this up. You cannot make this up. That one of the things they flagged up was the attendance issues in school. And you are like, what? You are judging the school on the attendance issues. What do Ofsted expect schools to do? And you heard that a couple of weeks ago that uh, Gillian Keegan was like, you know, head teachers need to be driving around picking up the kids. Excuse me? What are we, a taxi service now? Mm-hmm. So there has to be a real politic. There has to be a sort of um, an understanding of what we're capable of doing, what we're capable of delivering, what we're responsible for, what parents are responsible for. And we need to sort of have that national conversation. Unfortunately, coming up to an election year, I do think that the political parties will pander to parents in a sense of that's who the voters are. And that's what I, I think we saw last week was a lot of promises to parents because parents are voters and therefore there's there's a, there's a narrative of we'll fix schools and I think, unfortunately, that makes us as a teaching profession more expendable. Of we'll sort this out. And you think we'll sort this out? Well, are you talking to us? Are you actually listening to us? Are you involving us? Um, where are we involved in this? And, and I didn't see any of the stuff last week where I saw you know schools being asked or teachers being asked. It was de- it was political individuals set, you know demanding and saying and, and and gesticulating. We will sort this out with big strong words and not not really following up with, I think, policies which are integrated into social policy, healthcare policy, or our health policies. I didn't see as much of that actually looking at the wider social issues of what is going on in the wider schools and the wider community, because you cannot t- tackle schools without tackle the wider community. Now, that gives me the natural moment to say... Yeah, I'll go first. So we'd like to thank uh, the this John Katz Educational, who's brought this show... Um, the, to you today, uh, it's been sorry, I've made it right. That. This show has been brought in partnership with John Katz Educational, publishing professional development books and resources uh, to support. Oh, to support your learning, <laughs> teaching and learning. To support your teaching and teaching and learning in schools around the world. Um, have you checked their latest releases? Uh, use the code JTTTR two three two four for twenty percent off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatsbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Um, happy reading. So thank you to John Cat Educational. And that's John Cat with two T's. J-O-H-N-C-A-T-T, bookshop.com. So John Cat. They do email me every once in a while. Fantastic amount of good releases. Very up to date. And I have colleagues who have been published with John Cat. So I often find that they are worried I'm going to start plugging them and people will find out where they live type of thing. And I'm like, I have threatened that with one of my colleagues going, oh, you've been publishing recently. Excellent. Should I have you on my show? No. Yeah. No, no, I don't want people to know where I am. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's good to right. see that. Yeah. And also, if you want to look back on uh, Teacher Talk.
Talk Radio, to one of the shows. Uh, I, I They're carrying on. Brent, that we got a uh, third most popular show that's been published. Your, Behind the mighty Tom Rogers. Your your epic three hour dissertation <laughs> on the on the office. Three hours fifteen, my friend. It was uh, that was um, that was that was one hell of a show. That was and it was appropriate. It was it was um, it was it was it was it was emotional. Actually, it was really really good and. Uh, we saw that, of course, that was the anniversary recently of, tragically, the one-year anniversary mm. of, of the death of, of Ruth Perry. And uh, I, I suppose I will draw the parallel, and I don't want to say too much about this because obviously it's, it's it's a bit of a tangent. I don't want to go too much on a tangent. But watching the the recent um, docu um, docu movie Mr. of Bates, Mr. Yeah, Bates, yeah. there are so many parallels, and I felt you know so many parallels in my own my own upbringing, so many parallels to 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 things like Renfield, Hillsborough. But certainly one of the things that I thought of as I was watching that was um, nothing but the the greatest respect for those that kept not accepting what happened to Ruth. And I did see the similar type of um, personality of this is not good enough. Let's speak truth to power. Yeah. And and I think if anything, they definitely deserve the credit for, for not letting that go when they knew much like the the guys with the post sub postmasters, you, you know, they had the establishment against and what reminded me of that was the legal situation, the way that it was the David and Goliath. The, mm. the, when you when you got to the very end of that documentary series, you saw that it, how expensive it was to go through the litigation mm. and how how one side was trying to block it, block it, and know that they had all the resources in the world. And that did strike a parallel to what I felt was last year. And, and again, how you know crowdfunding straight away, there was £60,000 because the teaching profession rallied around it. And I think one of the things that always gets us through this is is, is that our, our interactions with the young people are, you know, they, they, they are amazing. And, and that's why we do this. But also the comradeship and the solidarity between between teachers is a very, very strong thing. And we saw that with the strikes last year. Um, I was very proud of my profession and, and of nothing but the admiration and respect for those that didn't let the situation with Ruth go, held the line. Um, and certainly, you know, it's not easy when you hold truth to power because you don't think you can win. But it's amazing when you see... Um, how people can stand up for for other people and make a difference and speak truth to power and only only through that can change come so I don't think we're finished with that yet and I think with the year that's coming now I think um, education is definitely going to be higher up the agenda and that's a good thing because we really do need uh, a focus to be on the physical the physical buildings the physical state of education I think um, I wouldn't say the word managed decline but when you start to have situations where I, I had a, a pupil recently who wanted to stay in the UK, an ex-pupil of mine from a Polish background, who wanted to stay in the UK, was born in the UK, but parents came over in the early 2000s and, and they're, they're studying a really good degree and they're struggling to get the degree in the UK. I've gone back to, to Poland and, and I now worry about the brain drain that's starting to happen with some of our brightest and best. If we don't sort out our education system, I think um, it's national. it's going to be a national issue in the future and I think a lot of these issues like the teeth brushing the mental health um if, if this is not sorted in the next 10 5 to 10 years it's going to actually cost a lot more to sort out and I think there's a definite feeling that um maybe that last the focus on education starting to come around and, and that's our job obviously one of the things about teachers talk radio we are teachers talk radio is that we want to make sure that of course we explore we discuss um, we have different opinions on this, and that's what I'd like to to offer. You know, offered out to the floor. How do you guys feel about it, uh, about um, the issue of attendance? Is it parents 
you know, that narrative seems to be spun because there are other narratives. Um, I've had some of the the COVID people, the the anti sorry the the um, cleaner help filters. Um, I've had some of the safe schools guys. I've been talking to them, and they've they're adamant that some of this attendance issues are driven by uh, a lack of cleaner in schools. And I, I I agree to a certain extent that there is we're still coming out of a pandemic, and 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 that is true. There's no hiding that. But I also think that there are. I'm not a big fan of the whole pandemic for me has become a big giant rug that somebody's brushing a lot of stuff under and saying, there you go, stick all this dirty stuff under the rug and hide it down there. It's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. I think the pandemic's become too easy, a too easy scapegoat for a lot of other structural issues that have been seeded a long time ago. And and pandemic is an easy sort of, you know, oh, well, yeah, the pandemic, the kids have suffered through the pandemic. Attendance is because of the pandemic. I don't think so. I think there's a lot of, of other secondary impacts that are happening working from home holidays um the the parental attitude survey is quite telling uh, and that came out just again this week and it was suggesting about the the breaking of the social contract again and i'm not going down the route of talking about amanda spielman but she did one of her last thing that she did in her last report is that she did highlight and i suppose that the, the the clock can be right twice a day if it's one second slow um is that the she did highlight the breaking of the social contract. So many have started to talk about this breaking of the social contract. The interesting thing about breaking the social contract was actually happened during um, COVID. Many people talked about that, that the government had broken the social contract. That the, you know, they, And I think schools are one of those areas where we weren't given the, I think, the full information. We saw with the COVID inquiry how you know the situation with the, the, the masks, the situations where the school safety wasn't. And I think that's just conveniently not being discussed. The health and safety of schools, I don't think it's high up the agenda. And when you talk about the Mr. Bates thing, I think there's going to be in the future, and I could see it slowly burning away, is the uh, you know the asbestos and school safety situation. I think it's going to be one of those yeah, yeah. Um, that in the background, somebody might in the next 10 years turn and say, why did you know why did we not highlight this about the, the number of our school buildings? Now, they've had enough warnings. They've had enough to do about it, but it's funny that that's gone way down the agenda. Mm. And the first thing they go for when they want to explain attendance is it's these parents and it's a very, it's a cheap shot and it's a cheap hit. I think it's a very easy sort of, you know, it's a bit like 20 years ago, the single parent thing. There's always a group out there that seems to get a little bit of stick or is is a very convenient scapegoat. Mm. And I think it's very easy to throw certain parents under the bus and sort of say, well, it's just these parents these days. And you get that kind of these days and lamenting the destruction of society and against moral forces. And it's, it's a very, I don't like that. I think the discussion is more nuanced than just simply saying, oh, parents these days and kids these days. There's a lot more to it than just yeah. simply that. And again, I open up to the floor whether you agree or disagree. I'm not being soft on some parents. I'm trying to understand and trying as a social scientist, trying to figure out what are the levers and the pullers that are going on that is driving this attendance. I spoke to some of my year aheads tonight and I, had, I was doing a bit of a, a sort of a, a, a sort of where do you see this? You're at the front, you're the front line of this. You're talking to parents all the time. You're dealing with these type of children. I spoke to two of my year heads tonight and, and one was they did notice a difference in a shift of attitude. And they, they said something to me was quite telling. They said, now, um, it used to be the parents used to hide when they went on holidays. When they went on holidays, they kind of like, they did it kind of clandestine. Yeah. There was a secrecy. Now there are parents saying, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, we're going on holiday next week. Um, could, you, could, you, could you do the residential another time? Yeah. And they're not even just sort of like, they're not even ashamed. They're not even worried. They're not even kind of stressed. It's like, 
we're, we're, we're going on holiday. Uh, well, okay, yes. stick that ban as an unauthorized. Uh, there's an element of we're doing what we want. You know? What we can do during the show that we can try and break down some of these issues. I know mm. you, you were keen to kind of go through the kind of chronology of this week mm. because it seemed like almost as soon as Christmas was over, this attendance uh, came straight out of the... Well, it started Monday, yeah. Yeah, okay, so it started Monday, so... Um, national, yeah. So Monday, the national campaign. Uh, and please, by all means, interrupt at any stage, guys. Send us messages. Interact. Uh, we've got the little button at the bottom cor um, corner, which is the, the mic is on. I see we've got yeah. in the room. We've got Tom in the room. We've got uh, VAR Laurel Loyal. V. What was that? VAR. We love VAR. <laughs> I think that's a controversial opinion in itself. Um, we have uh, Mrs. Zygmunt. Uh, we have Saint Monday. Uh, let's see, we have uh, Michelle in here, we've got uh, Diane, uh, let's see, we've got D, Dietrich P, uh, and we've got uh, Catherine Taylor, excellent. Yeah. So we've got some really good experts in here, by all means, yeah. please chip in. And the, and, the, and the other thing I said, I would do for my daughter, because we went to see Hamilton over the year, is if you've seen Hamilton, you're in the room where it happened. I haven't seen Hamilton. <laughs> Anyone that's seen Hamilton know that there was a... There was a discussion between Hamilton and Jefferson and Madison about sorting out kind of who was going to stand for uh, president. president. And there was they said that no one no one knew what was going on, but the ring where it happened. But anyway, if you know if you know the musical, a lot of sons in there, a lot of sons, Harrison, Jefferson. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. Right. So chronology. So Monday, Monday the eighth. Monday the eighth. I, so I we're, we're all back into school. The figures were published. Zombies. Boom. And straight away. Yeah. So well, actually, I had an inset Monday, which was good, and it was my birthday on Tuesday. So it was my birthday on Tuesday, first day back. So all of a sudden, the government comes up with a new national campaign. Uh, Moments matter. Attendance counts was the media tagline. Moments matter. Attendance counts to remind parents and carers of the importance of school attendance. The goal is to create a nurturing, affirmative bond between parents and school. Oh, gosh. Emphasising the pivotal role of attendance has in enhancing their child's overall well-being. So an initiative to highlight the importance of every school day and that moments matter and attendance counts. So a big press release. The campaign, which aims to reach those parents whose carers, whose children are taking preventable odd days of absence. So avoidable absence, they're calling it, which can add up. So rather than the children who face greater barriers to attendance, including long-term medical needs or special educational needs and disabilities. So they were separating the kind of long-term um, the long-term absenteeism from people who are, needs, needs aren't being met are equally who are struggling, which is it's then sort of identifying the, the kids who take the Fridays and the Mondays off. Now, that was something that came up again with my speaking to my um, year heads. I says, is there a pattern of attendance? Yes, we're noticing long weekends. Parents saying, mm. we're off for a long weekend. We're off to, to Spain for the weekend and we'll see you Tuesday. Yeah. So we're noticing definite patterns of less children on Mondays and less children on Fridays. Yeah. That's, that seems to be a national one as well. And our, so that's that. So that's to identify that type of absenteeism of, I think I used to call it back a couple of years ago um, when the boys were off, um, when FIFA was released or the mm -hmm. games were released and it effectively be known as duvet days. Mm -hmm. So they were having the odd duvet day of, oh, I can't be bothered. And then you, you, know, you find out, you ring up the parent and say, your child's not in school, they're sick. And, you, and, and they're doing the Ferris Bueller day off thing, you know. <laughs> they're doing their Ferris day off, except they're not driving around Chicago in a, in a, in a stolen Ferrari. There we go. We'll go to the Sears Tower. 
cultural reference to the 1980s, anybody who knows it. So messaging the campaign was developed using research into parental attitudes, as well as two pilots at the end of 2023. So this is based upon uh, probably their focus group sitting down with some parents. The messaging is also based on clear evidence around the benefits of attendance and attainment. We can't argue with that. And the mental health and the well-being around attendance and attainment. No argument here from that. As well as improving attainment, regular school attendance can facilitate positive peer relationships. Yeah, pretty much common sense, which is a protective factor in mental health and well-being. All good stuff. So while the support campaign will roll out attendance hubs, so these are the attendance hubs and attendance mentors. So attendance hubs and attendance mentors. So that's more people in education who aren't in the classroom. One of the things I've noticed in my educational setting is the number of teachers has been static for 20 years. But now I'm looking and going, Who's this person? What's their job? Who's this person? What's their job? Who's this admin person? So I've noticed that the bureaucracy around education seems to be increasing exponentially and the number of people doing data, monitoring this and monitoring that and monitoring, 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 it seems to have increased exponentially. But the number of people in the classroom seems to be decreasing and the number of children in the classroom seems to be increasing, but the number of people telling me there are a number of children in the classroom seems to be increasing. So we seem to have that going on in education. So we're going to appoint some attendance mentors. Excellent. There we go. We do not believe that this will be enough to fix the crisis, according to the government. And they obviously, I think Gillian Keegan gave an interview to the TES and she had a big release on this. So she said the issues around school are much more complex than perhaps prior to the pandemic owing to mental health. So she admits that mental health and the breakdown of support services and the number of young people living in poverty and destitution has increased. So there's a definite feeling that's coming from the Department of the uh, of Education of admission, admittance that, of course, that these complex social issues are driving and leading into attendance. But for me, then, they're not actually saying what they're going to do about that. They're just saying they're going to do some me uh, mentoring. We've also had pictures which were... I, I, um, I mean, he's... He's you know, now... I, I, <laughs> go on. It, obviously, I, I kind of... I've had experience. I kind of... I've taught graphic design and um, iMedia and these types of courses. And I've been an ICT teacher uh, for a number of years. And these, uh, these posters, However. <laughs> these posters are incredibly, it feels like, I'm just looking at one now, I don't know if anyone, anyone has seen them, um, um, they're, they're basically kind of kids with smiley faces, um, with this kind of slogan, so what one of them says, uh, this morning he had a runny nose, but look at him now. And, and they've got a picture of a little primary yeah, schoolboy uh, smiling in the streets, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. you know, and, it, and the response to that that came from the Safe Schools guys was, Oh, great. Are you sending a child with COVID into school? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's... Do, do you know what I mean? Hello, are we just coming out of one week? What's the last couple of years been yeah, like? I mean, it's obviously very it's, it's difficult, but particularly around um, illnesses, because I said to you, in my setting, we've got a problem with uh, measles in the in the West Midlands. Yeah. And, um, and I've noticed that uh, some children have started to wear um, masks again. Mm. Um, so, so is that with the measles or the COVID? Well, I, th I think it's just a it's just, it's just a knee-jerk reaction to any kind of health issue in that area now that people start wearing kind of uh, masks. But and this is the thing: I don't think anybody seems to be acknowledging. Are some parents so safety conscious now that they're worried about sending their children to school? And there's two aspects to this from a yeah. physical point of view, because mm. you see the media stories: schools aren't safe, schools aren't safe, schools aren't. Now, if you are a parent in the last couple of years who's been nudged by the social media, who's 
lived through the pandemic. You know that everybody take, take, took the pandemic in different ways. Yeah. Some people were like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Others were, that's it. You know, they went down in a nuclear silo and you didn't see them for two yeah. years. My parents had to be like that because my dad was shielded because he yeah. has COPD emphysema. And it would absolutely give me sleepless nights. And, and the fact that he's still alive now, I would have bitten your hand off if I said my dad would make it through COVID because mm. anything would have absolutely been lethal to yeah. him and still is to a certain extent. And you have to be very careful with him. Yeah. So, of course, that made my parents and that conscious, very, very safety conscious. And we know that some parents were extremely, we saw that when we came out of COVID. Yeah. And nobody seems to be saying that maybe some of the school attendance is still driven by people who are afraid to send their children to school. And, 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 Should we play a bit of a quiz around illnesses then? Maybe, yeah. maybe people can uh, interact with us and put thumbs up and thumbs down whether uh, a child should be in school or not. Ooh. So thumbs up for uh, in school, thumbs down for off school. So we'll take a hit then, right? So thumbs up for in school. In school, thumbs down. So we're saying if the child has this, they come into school. They come into school. Yeah, if if they the child, this, they they stay off school. This they, is the NHS advice. So this is the NHS official yeah, advice the, the official of linked that they've linked on their um, marketing from 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 this. Thing. So this is what the government's saying is okay to send your children yeah, into yeah. school to increase attendance if they're carrying these illnesses. Yeah. So they they acknowledge it can be tricky deciding whether or not to keep your child at school, nursery or playgroup when they're unwell. So let's go through it. Coughs and colds. What do we think? Are we saying send them into school with coughs and colds or not send them into school? So thumbs up. Thumbs down. Yeah. What, what do you think, Brent? Coughs and colds? Oh, send them in. Send them in. Yep. Encourage your child to throw away any used tissues and wash their hands. We're, we're in the catch and kill it bin territory. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, sniffles, a cold, uh, coughs and colds, okay to go into school. However, how many of teaching staff would be happy to have a child come in with a cold on the 19th of December or yeah, the 20th of December yeah, and say, yeah. here you go, here's your Christmas present, yeah. sir. Have that one yeah. for Christmas. I yeah. guess the difficulty is, is that we all, we all have these children in our class that then completely kind of... What do you do when you've got sniffling... What, what do you have when you've got sniffling, like sniffy face? You then go, <laughs> you know, you know, somebody who's like... And, and, and you, you're thinking to yourself, poor child. And they go, sir, can I go to the... And it's usually a boy. Yeah. Boys don't carry tissues. And there's nothing worse than... Trigger warning. There's nothing worse than you see a boy who then, <clears throat> and then the, yeah, the trousers, yeah. and, and you're like, and I have toilets close to me. And this is the teachers. And, <laughs> go there. and that's, and, and literally, I'm sending them straight in. Or I've, I've still got the old alcohol stuff yeah. in my thing. I make sure the caretaker puts the alcohol. I'm talking about safety conscious, me. Yeah. So everyone still has, yeah, yeah, she's at the dispenser. You get up to that dispenser. Get out that dispenser. And you just get that stuff yeah. on your hand. Because like, you think to yourself, yeah. I don't want a kid, you know, Touch yeah. is, is that advice in your school? In, uh, it? No, I don't care. I don't care whose advice yeah. it is. It's common yeah. sense. I don't know what their bonus thanks very much. Right, next one. one. Next one then. Okay, high temperature. Hi, oh, high temperature. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Hi, send a child into school with high temperature. As a parent, if it's anywhere near forty, oh, no chance. Yeah, yeah. No high temperature. We've got, we've got... No, I think high temperature. No, high fine. temperature. Yeah, high... yeah uh, children stay off school until it goes away. Uh, next one, uh, chicken pox. You send a child in school. Well, well yeah, it's thumbs up. Or you, you, you're, you're telling me, and you say, do you think they should stay off school with chicken pox? Well, it all depends on whether the other children want chicken pox and what age they are. If they're like four <laughs> or five years old, they yeah, might pay for that. Chicken pox parties. They might, they might pay for that. Yeah. I would say no to that. Yeah. And I guess it depends kind of how contagious the child is. And I think um, two daughters, one daughter, oh my God, she was absolutely plastered. But, but you send daughter. the child in? Good, good. You, mean, you, well, well, part, well, you know, like well, they're well, itching and you're well, like... Well, we didn't know my oh, oldest no. child... Uh, we didn't know she had it because she had like just one spot that was like hidden 
just to the side of her back, and that's all she ever had. Well, she don't want an adult to get shingles. Yeah, but my other daughter was obvious because it was literally in her hair and it was everywhere. She was in pain. It's actually um, um, so Kidmoss scoring took all the spots have crusted over. This usually takes about five days after the first. So check a box is the middle. Yeah, so even that is like a short amount of time, isn't it? It's, it's so coughs and colds are the only ones before. Coughs yep. and colds, yeah. Um, cold sores. I'll send them in. Yeah. Herpes simplex. Encourage them not to touch the blister or yep. kiss anyone while they have a cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, not, do not share things like cups and towels. Uh, conjunctivitis is a classic kind of school uh, ailment, isn't it? I remember. It's the eyes, isn't yeah, it? The eyes. Nah, I think you're okay. The eyes have it. The eyes have it. Uh, I think you're okay with that if you're man- if it's been managed. Yeah, you don't need to keep them off school, get advice from pharmacists, uh, do not rub get their the eyes, wash the eyes regularly. Mm. COVID-19. It's still got to be known. What are they saying? They're saying if your child has mild symptoms such as rod nose or sore throat oh, no, no, or no, no, slight no. cough and feels uh, well enough, they can go in. Go to school. That's the government website. Say uh, it again so we're so, all clear. So on the NHS website, it's nhs.co.uk tonight. Live well. Is my child too ill for school? They say under COVID-19, if your child has mild symptoms such as a runny nose, sore throat or slight cough and feels well enough, they can go to school. Do they inform school? Your child should stay at home and avoid your child should stay at home or avoid contact with other people if they have symptoms of COVID-19. It's very confusing, isn't it? Because that's the second, that's the second sentence. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the advice is there. If, so, so you're 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 a teacher and you're confused with the COVID advice. So then and says, the government campaign to get says, people to go back um, in school. And they have either rest my case. All right. Okay. So you have to have symptom uh, COVID symptoms plus high temperature and do not feel well enough for normal school activities. So how do you think the staff body yeah, would, how do you think the staff body would feel about it, now knowing you've got the government advising uh, right. Your, your child is no longer required to do a COVID-19 rapid lateral flow test if they have symptoms. I don't know how they would know. But if your child has tested positive for COVID-19, they should try and stay at home and avoid contact with other people for three days. Not five. Three. Not fear. So so there's a couple of things there. A, is, is there reliable tests available for COVID-19? Oh, I feel an email coming on. Yeah, yeah probably not. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll go through it just very quick then. Ear infection. Infection? No. Ear infection. This one actually says if your child has an ear infection or high temperature due to or severe earache, keep them off school yeah. until they're feeling better. On infection, you wouldn't yep. send somebody uh, in school with an infection. Or high temperature goes away. Uh, hand, foot, and mouth disease. Oh, definitely no. <laughs> Head lice and nits. We've had the warning this week. My girls have got their hair tied up. Um, at which my daughter this morning was was mortified, going, they lay eggs in your head, and I'm thinking, why am I suddenly seeing the movie Aliens yes. in my head? And I thought, well, I had well, to put... why, why isn't it? It's almost like a rite of passage through primary school. Isn't it, it does yeah. seem to be, yeah. So my my wife's the government on the governing body, so that came from governor's yeah, but, last but night. Are they going in? Oh, they're going in. They're going in. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, ringworm. <laughs> ringworm. Yeah, they're going in. It's fine. Yeah. As long as it's treated. Uh, scarlet fever. Oh, no. It's highly, highly infectious. Yeah, highly infectious. Two to three weeks. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a no-no. Uh, that's very slap and, 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 Yeah, I'll, I'll just skip through um, the classic 
Um, I think a lot of staff probably call him with uh, vomiting diarrhea. Until it's cleaned up. Well, no, you wouldn't send somebody. <laughs> no, until it's cleared up, not cleaned up. <laughs> well, that's, that's what yeah. I end up having. Who wants yeah. to be cleaning that Children up? with diarrhea or vomiting should stay away from school until they've not been sick or had diarrhea for at least two, two days. days yeah, yeah. Hours. I think you don't want to, you don't want uh, that. That would be yeah. your norovirus. So, so there are there are genuine symptoms, yeah. and we know. Because we've all been there, we've all, as teachers, we've been through a changing environment. We've all done Freshers Week as well. That there is a kind of run of illnesses, isn't there? When you change environments, go to different schools, you know, big part of new uh, ecosystems and whatever. Well, we, we know that schools are, schools are never as overcrowded as, a, as they've been. Yes. We know that the buildings are unfit for purpose. We know that cleaner. We yeah. were all given those monitors, yeah. which is the most. Have, have buildings ever been fit for particularly fit for purpose. Was there like a glory time when they were fit for purpose? I don't, the thing of it is, yeah, when they were built in the 1960s, I'm sure they were, because if you're, if you're in a school like mine, it's built for 350 pupils. It's currently housing seven, 700. We don't have enough capacity for, for the corridors. We don't have capacity for the, the eating, the, the, the halls. Mm. So a lot, of the school, a lot of the older schools are creaking at the bits of those flat roofs. Yeah. I mean, all it has to do is rain in some of these old schools. It's like the yeah. Titanic and the buckets in the corridor, for God's so, sake. So, so if, you use, if you use number one, the actual building itself. Yeah, the physical it, building. It, the physical building and the environment. It's like it could be. You could. You could. You could have an argument to say it's likely, therefore, that some of these illnesses, um, you're more susceptible to get ill. Well, there is that whole thing for, about for, the, the, there is that thing now about the and again we're not we're not going too far into um in, into crispity territory, um. But there is obviously a lot of studies that show that we are living in more clean. We are living at home in cleanlier environments. Yeah. That our air quality at home isn't as good because of the coal fires that we used to get used to used to circulate air around. It's like the the old adage about smoking in airplanes. The air quality in airplanes used to be better because they circulated the air more when it was a smoking and non-smoking section. So there's a lot of talk about the the environment that we live in now is is, is the sterile. It's the same as the thing with antibiotics. Too much yeah, antibiotics yeah. is that people are picking up illnesses and bugs and, and sharing them sharing them a lot more. So. Unless we speak to an expert and say, the is there too, more... Is the home too clean, then, is that what you're saying? The, the homes are. The kids yeah. don't build... I mean, it's that thing. Kids don't build up a, yeah. a resistance to what they used to. And, and, and it is going back to what you said about the uh, the the, the, um, the the immunity, the parties. Yeah. And again, some individuals didn't want to do the vaccination for the COVID because they, they felt it would damage immunity. They have a certain point that if you yeah, don't well, get yeah. ill, you don't build yeah, up yeah, immunity. Yeah. I mentioned that if you don't get chicken pox when you're a kid, you get shingles as an adult. So... Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of studies showing about how immunity is changing and how you know our environments aren't. And kids don't go out and, and, and muck around and, and play in the dirt as much as they used to. Their, their environments are. So going into school now, actually, there's two part things to that. One, people's awareness is a lot higher. But I think people, I'm not saying they're more hypochondriac. Mm. I think the government has a point. I think that, you know, parents in the good olden days were more resilient, stoic and kind of like, but like my mother, you know, I broke my ankle four years ago. And then the first thing she says to me, well, it's your own fault. What, you want some sympathy, you've still got a working leg. There's that aspect of step up a lip, yeah. get on with it. And, I, and, and, and the, I'm not saying society's become less resilient. People have become more fearful. And I think COVID has psychologically 
made things feel a bit more scary and unsafe and made schools feel unsafe. I think they're, you're right, some schools haven't changed in some ways. They've always been probably places where people went and got ill. Any NQT 30, 40 years ago probably still had to wait through two or three years of getting ill to build up their immunity. Same as doctors and nurses. Anybody who comes in contact with the general public probably at some stage has to build up their immunity. I know that and I'm NQT year and, and again, open to the floor, maybe you, you remember, remember back to your NQT years, your early years of teaching, you do get extremely ill in your first couple of years because, yes. you know, coming in co- close proximity with 30 children in, in a 30 foot by 30 foot room, they don't always wash their hands. Let's be frankly honest with that. Certainly the boys don't. Um, and schools aren't, I don't think, the healthiest of environment. And we definitely, COVID and the crisis during COVID highlighted, I think, the unhealthiness mm. of schools in the sense that they, as physical buildings, they haven't really been updated. I know that Germany in 2020, um, November 2020, put in a couple of billion pounds worth of um, infiltration filter systems into their public buildings. Mm. New York did that. Yeah. And I know that Houses of Parliament have HEP filters and cleaner. Mm. They pipe it in, they pipe it out. And I, and I can, for the life of me, not understand why they don't do that. Because cost, there's not... Cost. Well, there's, well here's, here's, the, here's Pennywise Pound Foolish. If you have children not well in school, then you're going to have adults not well in school. You're going to have teachers not well in school. Yeah. How much do supply costs cost? Mm. If you if you add up the amount of supply costs caused because teachers are, in one aspect, let's take the physical aspect of unhealthy school environments, and, and then, of course, you've got the mental health school environments. You take the both of those. If you reduce the mental health uh, load on teachers and teachers are more happier in the workplace, et cetera, et cetera, then you have less absences. If you increase... The, the 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 physical environment and improve the physical environment, you would have less absences because sick people cost you more money, don't they? Mm. And also think of the disruption that causes, think of the um, the behavioural issues that causes. I think it is one of those issues that could, if you could resolve, you know, staff and student attendance, it will filter through to other parts of the school because then you will have less supply teachers in, you have saved more money, you'll have a better air quality, you'll have kids, and here's here's the kicker, you'll have kids in school more often. If you have kids in school more often, that's going to increase their attendance, it's going to increase what? Their actual attainment. It's not going to get them caught behind, it's going to help their confidence. All of those things are exponentially linked for me. And yet, that's what I can't understand. If you had a couple of billion quid lying around and you wanted to say, here, let's do one thing after the pandemic, I do not for the life of me know why some minister didn't turn around and say, here's a couple of billion quid. Can you please make sure the air quality inside public buildings is fit yeah. and healthy? What was the point in sending those, those stupid monitors that tell me my air is at 2,000 parts per million and telling me the CO2 in there is 2,000 parts per million and I'm looking at children in 32 degree heat and they're about to melt and the air quality in my room is like the, the, the South American jungle. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? Well, should, should, should we open that up then to uh, the floor? Does anyone, does anyone kind of agree with that hypothesis that it's the, the, the building that's uh, having a direct impact on lowered school attendance? Would anyone like to kind of speak up? Or, or to... not just the building, I think the building, society, perception well, we'll, of illness. We'll, yeah, what we'll do is we'll go through, yeah. we, we can go through each one, but I just wonder if anyone wants to kind of just mention anything about buildings. Are the air quality? Yeah. Are they communicable, the, the way that schools can be unhealthy in the sense that you've got a huge amount of people in a small space and, and that does lead to greater transmission. Again, lessons learned during the likes of COVID. Yeah. We were told originally that it was uh, by um, wash your hands, but that was as effective as a chocolate fire guard because it was airborne. So again, you know, we could have been and should have been wearing masks a lot earlier. And again, I didn't like wearing masks at school. I don't think 
I, it was something I we was necessity. But in some parts of the world, they didn't need to wear masks at school. Guess why they didn't need to wear masks at school? Correct. And their children are, are, are quite capable of, of, of working in comfortable environments because they have air conditioned units. Again, a lot of schools don't have air conditioning. And in the summer, you can imagine what the attendance is like in the, sometimes in the summer when it's 30, 45 degrees. Parents kept, I know we noticed that when we had those record temperatures two years ago. Yeah. What was the attendance like? Because parents were like, we, we could not guarantee this. We, we had classrooms at 35. Our coolest classroom was at 31 or 32 the degrees. Just, the kids just going home and just say they're exhausted. You, you could see they were just exhausted. We were exhausted. Yeah, the kids I, were exhausted. I, I went home straight to bed. So what's to stop that happening again? What's to stop that happening again when, you know, you're, you're, you're hit a certain temperature, your attendance is going to get shot to pieces. Yeah. And, again, and again, this is where I don't think people have factored it in. Another one, of course, they've suggested is is the inset days. That one always come, comes out that teachers themselves and schools themselves don't help themselves with strike days yeah. and inset days. Yeah. That one's always a certain yeah. a certain type of individual from around. We'll, and, we'll, we'll, pick, yeah. we'll pick some of these off. Obviously, yeah. if you you don't feel like shouting up, please just um, message please message through. Uh, should we just say hello to uh, John Katz while we're here because we're very grateful for oh, um, yes. um, their support and uh, this show is brought to you in partnership with John Katz Educational. Uh, Cat with two T's, um, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools all uh, around the world. Um, have you checked out the latest releases? Uh, you can use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Uh, don't miss out. Maybe you've got some um, money from uh, in-laws or something. You're thinking about what do I, what do, I do with that? Um, visit you can go to use that 20% offer to go to johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today um, happy reading or maybe you find a way to uh, sell the gifts that you were given and, and redeem them that seems to be all the rage the, the, the re-gifting the re-gifting of yeah. all those links yeah. links Africa sets that yeah. you get yeah, yeah. Um, Simon Jenkins in The Guardian um, yeah Obviously, wrote wrote in the in the middle of this uh, today um, about how suitable the um, curriculum particularly is. Mm. Um, he went back to talk about that the secondary schools, and to quote from him, that they have plunged deeper into a world of academic rote learning, mm. examination, and performance based on centralised measurement. And uh, we obviously, as we've mentioned. Um, the, the 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 then the kind of the offset measures that have led to the so uh, relate tables data examination yeah. culture yeah. hot housing kids so, so, yeah. he, so his his point is, is that it's reasonable to conclude that children avoid school because they find it hostile disturbing and largely pointless from the age of eleven by when they should have acquired a central history and numeracy they are afflicted with what is at root an anarchical academic traditionalism. Can't disagree with it. Yeah. Um, so, so, so we've done yeah. the building. What about the actual content? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this controversially, and uh, Tom Tom Rogers, close your ears. Um, Tom Tom seems to respect this individual to a certain extent. I do myself. He was a conviction. Don't read, don't read Chancellor Mug. Uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say. It. I think Michael Gove's agenda has ultimately failed. I think that now we we can we can draw a line under that the whole. Baccalaureate has failed. I think all of that um, knowledge base has failed. Um, I don't think our curriculum is fit for purpose now in the 21st century. I, I, I understood why he was doing it. I respect his convictions. I, I see that there was a place for some academic studies, 
But as we're saying now, our children need a broader and balanced curriculum yeah. and they need less game playing. They need schools to be less driven towards exams and we need to stop pigeonholing kids into false choices. Here, you must choose between geography and history. Why do I have to do either or? Oh, well, you know, if I hear the words open bucket, closed bucket, it bucket, that bucket, that, you know, point scores, accumulated point scores. I have children currently studying with me, for a handful of children an alternative provisional curriculum. And I tell you, it is fantastic. Yeah. Financial capability, life skills, social skills, media skills. I've had these children saying to me, why doesn't everybody get taught this? And how many times, and a lot of parents have said that, there is a lot of, there are a lot of surveys saying to parents, why aren't our children being taught? There is a, there's a massive disconnect yeah. between what parents are saying they'd like their children to be taught. And I'm not going down this sex education niche culture war stuff because that's a minority of individuals really stressed about that. The majority of parents want their children to be able to function in the world. Yeah. And they want them to be able to function, adapt. They want them to be able to learn. And I don't think our curriculum at the moment, I've, I had my historians recently and we had this conundrum and they looked at me and they said, sir, we love you to bits, but you haven't taught us this stuff. You've just given us this stuff. And I went, I haven't got the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've looked at me and went, I could finish this course or I could take my time and teach you as yeah, much yeah. as I could teach you, but I cannot teach the course and finish the course at the same time. So that, I that, have that, to. That, that, to me, that to me with the nine to one and the A-level curriculum yeah. is the most heart-wrenching bit for me because you kind of onto something. We had a great lesson. We were doing marketing mix and we're doing products and the kids really into it. And we could have gone off and they could have designed some products and they could have learned the design mix really well. And But I had to stop and I had to say, we've, we're kind of moving on now. We've got to get to the next topic. And that is always the kind of the bit that really kind of sticks with me. Um, but um, I will say the three years that I've had at mm. UTC has been a lot different. And it's interesting that um, Kenneth Baker um highlighted that um, in the parliamentary report reports uh, last month um that um the 70 to uh, t there's been a complete collapse of um technical subjects between 70 and 80 percent in the last 30 so years. your dt your design your yeah. your, your um yeah. textiles but, but, yeah. I, mean, I mean i mean but to be fair to the government they have and it's kind of sp sp splitting and splitting around at the minute T levels are coming on board in a lot of places. Now. They're not consistent, though. But they're not. Yeah, I know. As, as, as I said, it's not yeah. being managed particularly well. Some centres are doing it really well. And I know that our school, yeah. literally, literally the last um, the two intake days that we had was almost purely focused on trying to get uh, T levels kind of up, up and running in different. Uh, but it's fantastic. I go, I, I go across the road into our other. I'm, I'm going to follow up with that. I think a lot of teachers now have been driven cognitively against their own will to be teaching a certain way, to teach a curriculum a certain way, and to be forced by academies because of point scores to do what needs to be done to get kids over the line. Mm. And I don't like that. Of rolling, massaging figures, data figures, we have veered very dangerously into, and, and again, the rogue algorithm proved that mm. with our exam system. I, I think some children just decided they're going to fail. So what's the point of me going to school when I'm set up to fail? Mm. And unfortunately, if you look at the those doing the worst in the examination system, they are the disadvantaged. Also look at the absenteeism. There is a direct positive relationship between the locations and affluence. The highest absentee rates happen to be in the poorest areas in the north, in the northeast. Um, that is 
quite straightforward. The lowest absentee rates happen to be in the more affluent areas of the south, southeast, and London. It's quite simple, straight straightforward. There's a direct correlation between that. If you have a system set up where you know you aren't going to succeed, why would you set yourself up? There are how many times have we entered children into exams and you know they're just gonna, they're not they're not going to access? I I think motivation is not there for some people. They can't feel that they can succeed. And when you talk about streaming, you talk about setting, you talk about predicted grades, you talk about Fisher Family Trust, you talk about all of that what's fed in, and you get conversations with children saying, "Here's your target grade, here's your predicted grade." Some children are set up to fail because they're just they're basically managed to the point where um, it's all about getting their value added, yeah. getting their value added. They're not yeah. they're not people any longer. They start to become statistics because you know if you get a certain you know you get a certain point score that you get a certain offset and that you get the monkey off your back and that you get a good school and, and get left alone. Yeah, yeah. You know that if you don't play the game and you don't get some of these kids over the line and I have to say, some of this attendance is driven by the fact that some of these children have said to themselves, what is the point of me going to school? Yeah. Which is What's the point? interesting on what Brent said here. So according to the um, FFT uh, Regional Attendance Tracker, uh, which tracks attendance from September to now, yeah. uh, if you look across the um, the England, really, um, uh, more specifically, as you said, affluent area, London, 7.4%, so still quite high, but yeah. compared to 10% in the northeast, yeah. um, 9.4% in Yorkshire and Humber, 8.8% in East Midlands, uh, West Midlands, 8.6%, East, 8.4%, Southwest, 93 um, so, so the you're right. It is. It There's a direct correlation between but, attendance, but, 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 but also it shows. I think this is why I think the um, the government has to kind of come in, and Labour obviously had to come in on this as well. Is because it's a trend, isn't it? Well, uh, is this is this a red walling? Is, is this again? Well, well, it does, it does, cynically speaking, yeah. is this another example of all of a sudden? All of a sudden, nobody cared about education. Yeah. They cared about education during, again, I go back to a COVID, because we were a national babysitting mining service, because really, here's the thing. Attendance, here's a, this is me being ultra cynical. So this is ultra, ultra cynical, right? Theory, but we'll put it out there. If you have children off school, that's going to hit national efficiency, because some parents may have to do not be at work mm -hmm. to look after their unwell children. Yeah. So possibly one of the drivers behind getting kids back into school is that frees up their parents to go back and do their work, to pay their taxes, to have a national efficiency. That's a national economy issue. Mm -hmm. In other words, the government want kids in school because the kids in school, they're not on the streets, they're not causing issues. You see, you see what I mean? It goes back to that. Well, let's well, put well, them all well, in well, school well, so your parents can go out and work all hours of the day. You know? let, let's be honest with you. We, we, you know, we, we work it's a national we, efficiency. We, we are... Kids, when they're off, they're out, they're out and about, aren't they? Unfortunately. Uh, and I wish they'd say that. I wish that we need to turn and say, this yeah. is an economic problem for us because we need parents to be out work, not looking after their children. Well, it's, you it's, know. it's not just that. Also, it's, it's also very visual, isn't it? If there's kids out and about on the street, there's like a visual thing yeah. of kids being out on the street. So the older generation, I guess, might be thinking, well, why is that? Because It doesn't look good, it you're right. Look, yeah, it doesn't a, look good. It's, it's a very visual thing of kid, the kids hanging around the shop. How often have you through through the ages of the kids loitering around? Well, the there was that antisocial thing. Yeah, of, yeah. And of course, I suppose from another point of view, 
I can see that we want children in school because we don't want them to be county lines. We don't want them. There is that element of it's good that they're in school. Absolutely. But what I'm saying to you is this is why this, why of all the things going on in education, is this the thing they go for? Is it because it is a vote winner? It's a low hanging fruit. Or is there another, unfortunately, which tells you what they really believe education is about? Is it about driving our children and looking after our children, making them happy, really? Or is it about getting them into school that frees up their parents to go out and do their jobs? Do you think think that that's uh, overreach of schools starting to find parents has had the adverse effect of people saying, well, if you're going to find me, I'll have a bit more time off or I'll bake in the fine to my saving on my holiday. I think it depends or, on the parents and the school. I think yeah. it depends on the relationship with the parents and school. I think it depends on the values of the parents and school. If you said to me there's a child with, with 97% attendance who, who has a family holiday to go to a wedding somewhere, mm-hmm. like Italy or India or, or Ireland or somewhere, I, I'd say I, um, you'd understand and say that's, per- that's all right, as long as the child gets caught up. But if you have somebody at 85% attendance who's taking an extra week in Marbella and not coming back for the first term, then, you know, you'd say that's not acceptable. Yeah, However... Yeah, who, who are we to say that? Do you think that in some parents' eyes, they're thinking, how dare you tell me what I can do with my child? Well, there is that aspect. But then there's also, you want us to do the job, then you cannot have a half in, a half out. This is a problem yeah. with parents wanting school to be... There is a service industry. Like I say, we're customer services now. Our customer services department, we're marketing division. We're advertising schools in the back of a bus. Come to our school. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, now, we're now a business, basically. Yeah. So as a business practice, we're, we've got consumers. Our consumers are parents. And our parents are saying, well, I'm doing what I want. Yeah. You buy my service. And, of course, there is that aspect you see in some of the local newspapers of we're public servants. Mm-hmm. We're there to service them and they pay our wages. I get yeah, that. Yeah. All that. And that, that's been said to us sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Your holidays, you get this, your gold-plated pension. And, of course, I always argue with the gold-plated pension by going, right, you have to be, how long do you have to be a teacher to get your gold-plated pension? You have to last about 40 years. It's a bit more tin-plated. It's a bit more aluminium foil-plated at the moment, let's be honest with you, because it's getting thinner and it's getting, it's getting thinner and thinner every year. But that's the point. We still have this perception of you're in a cushy little number yeah, you're, yeah. you've got an easy nine to five i saw that this week with um an academy in our local area it's on strike and you look on the local media and then the comments are your stereotypical comments they've got too many holidays inset days they need to do a proper day's work school's too easy blah blah, blah. teachers moaning teachers complaining and you're almost like are you seriously having a laugh somewhere along the line i agree there has been a relationship break but I think some of that relationship break has come from the corporation that has become the school. The local school that used to be your local school with local school governors, with local school teachers. Teachers used to come from the local area, be part of, integrated in the DNA of the community. Your teacher was your parents' teacher. My teachers were my parents' teachers. And so forth and so forth. That doesn't happen now. School has lost the connection. School has become a transient place. Even with the children themselves. How many kids are managed to move? How many staff come in and out? School's like a merry-go-round now. You're going, who's this person? You're looking at the staff room sometimes going, who's this person? They're temporary staff, full-time staff. Who's the point? It becomes such a fluid place. And and I was I'm at a school that basically when I arrived 20 years ago, there was three new members of staff. I was like, wow, look at the turnover rate of that. Now it's kind of like people leaving halfway through the year, new people coming, people retiring, people quitting, people. And the same goes for the kids. Two kids today, managed moves, don't know who they are, nothing about them, they arrive in my class. There's no consistency any longer. 
And, and what are we actually asking schools to do? And this is the question. How can you say schools are going to sort attendance out when they are trying to feed some kids? They're trying to, you know, we're trying to look after them. We cannot be the social services and we cannot do this on the cheap. That's the problem. The government's had us do a lot of things on the cheap as, as, as other parts of society are in retreat. They've dumped it on us. And because we are what we are, and because we're scared, and some schools are scared, aren't they? Because some parents, the problem now is, some parents can lift the telephone and say, I'm going to ring off it. I'm going to complain. Mm. Yeah, and they do have that power. So I think there's a power imbalance now. There is a definite power imbalance. And that has been created because you're absolutely right. They wanted to be able to, about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, say, you as a parent have the right to choose your school. You as a parent have the right to choose. And, and I think there's that aspect of uh, when schools sort of push back, they get criticised. And you see that when a new head comes into a new school and they go straight for this. Let's get a tennis, let's get a uniform. They get absolutely, completely undermined. I, I read through the both sides of that argument on the local media. And I had some school people from that academy going, oh, yeah, this new teacher coming in, he's too strict. You think, so here's a kid who's had a free run of the school. He's now complaining because they're finally sort of fighting back. Yeah, yeah. And what's the first thing they're going to do? Like, oh, the school's useless. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, is, is that then the school becomes almost like a war zone, doesn't it, between minds and wills. And, and that, that's not really productive anyway. It goes back Agreed. to that hostile environment yeah. that we're trying to move away from. And it's almost so, like, I don't mind, but that's what my colleague was saying, and you're right about that point of parents used to be ashamed, to, you know, they used to hide if they went on holidays. It's almost like, but then there was a court case about six or seven years ago. I think it was Isle of Wight. And the father, right. and the father turned around and the father said, school, I, I have the right to take my child out of school. And then I looked at the child's attendance, 91%. What is he doing? But no, I have the right to take my child out of yeah. school. You won't tell me. But that's filtering too to our children. Who are you, teacher, to tell me? Who do you think you are? I have the right yeah. to go to a toilet. I have the right to stay in bed if I want to yeah. stay in bed. But, but, you know? but, but I... And that's coming through to the kids, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I, I, I can see that perspective because I'm a teacher and I want children to go to school. I have respect for the institutions. So I've instilled that in mm. my children. But however, I still find it... Well, for example, we had to take our children out for my mother-in-law's funeral. Mm. That we had to almost... It felt like we had to almost ask permission from the institution to do that. So you kind of resented that? I did, yeah. I did, I did a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I did feel like we, as 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 parents, as legal guardians, that we should have the right to do that. If mm. and if something came up that I thought was really valuable for my children, it feels like I have to ask the state. Yeah, you know, and I, it, it does. It I I I I. I do follow the process yeah and I, you play by the rules i play by the rules yeah. and most of the time i think my daughters have pretty much always had 100 percent attendance you know it's something that we've instilled in them but it's not that they're good ha kidding, ha ha yeah. however i still feel like it's a, it's a it's a quite it's quite an overreach the fine and the permission and asking but is that because schools now are so desperate to get attendance up because should attendance not be up mm. The first thing, of course, that the mighty Ofsted is going to go for is your school attendance is not good enough. And yet, yeah. how can you judge a school for the attitude of the parents? Or the physical building? Yeah, yeah, but you know what some people are like. They kind of, if you go that hard on them, they almost kind of go, well, 
you know, I'm going to go for the double down. And it kind of gets worse before it gets better. You know? I'm, I don't have that personality at all. I don't like to be told what to do. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the cooperation yeah. and the, the strength of the relationship. I'm just, between, I'm just yeah. interested. But that's what, the social contract. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting because they said the social contract yeah. had been broken. And so that, if you want to kind of gauge that, and, and and that is the that was the sort of head that was the one that made the headlines. Yeah. And that's that's the sort of headline grabber, which was. Um, how that this social contract and, and this was the shocking sort of thing. So new research commissioned by the Centre of Social Justice found, found that one in four parents, 28%, agreed that the pandemic had shown it was not essential for children to attend school every day. In the go uh, poll of parents, of parents aged between five and 16 in primary or secondary, just a quarter, 26%, said their children, um, um, children's school communicated well with them. So this is your point, is that 26% felt that their children's school communicated with them. But remember, that's subjective. How, what would you say communicating with them? Because parents now want an email five minutes after they've sent an email, as if the, my, my whole life and existence revolves around you know, answering their 60-page 60, 60 essay email that could have been resolved with a two-minute phone call. Sometimes they get a bit like that, don't they? And I'm like, I don't, my life doesn't revolve around answering ridiculous emails. I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm not, I, I got out of business 22 years ago because I didn't want to work in an office. To be frank, you very much. Do we send emails at all to all hours of the day? Over a third, thirty-five percent said they worried about their children's performance and would like more support from school. It's a really telling statistic. Over a third said they'd like more um, support from school, increasing to forty-two percent among low-income households. So low-income households are saying we need school to support us more. And you do get parents saying that, help us out here. We do. We send food parcels. We feed children in the mornings. We do wraparound clubs. Schools are, many, some of them are amazing in what they provide for the local community. Out of their modest budgets, I may add, 18% of parents were worried about their child attendance and would like more support with that. And again, among 24% of low-income households. So there's more stress and more worried from low-income households about attendance and certainly about support. So what that is really saying is, is that parents are screaming for help from schools, which means parents are struggling. And how many times have you had parents saying, I'm trying to get this child in? And it really brought, I was listening to a lot of radio phone-ins last week. The amount of people that rang up and says, I'm a good parent, I really am, please don't throw parents under the bus. Here's my story. And the story was, I have a child at home who's school phobic. I have a child at home non-diagnosed. I have a child who can't access the curriculum, who's struggling. I don't know what's wrong with my child. They just don't want to get out of bed and they don't want to go to school. I've tried everything. I really are. And you get your conservative commentators going, well, this is the erosion of traditional family values. In my day, we waded through 16 foot of snow, snowflakes. And, and you get the outside of it going, oh, just you're the parent, be the parent. Stop trying to be friends with these children. Yeah. And the, the both have a point. You have to be tough love sometimes with the children. Mm. But equally, you don't know, maybe know the underlying. People are quick to judge. Yeah. And there are some parents genuinely out there, good people who are trying hard to get the kids in the school. And you lift the telephone and say, can you get them in tomorrow? I can't. God, come on, you can't. And, and where do we, we step in? Now you've got your school, you've got people monitoring attendance. You, we've got a designated person who rings around certain parents. That's it's something like we didn't do. I think every school now has an attendance person. So again, that's that's a, that's a body in school that's not a teacher any longer. And yet, you know, we've less teachers. So I don't know what more, you know, these, what more are these parents asking for? And, and again, that news story today really concerns me about it's the state's responsibility to make sure parents know how to children brush their teeth. You know? Come on, where do we start? Where do they end? Where do parents start? Where does you know? There's got to be well, clear. Well, well, there used to be that kind of halfway house in there with sure starts, sure start, start centers. Sure start centers, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they kind of did a little bit of that. Do you think the Labour plan around kind of breakfast 
is a bit of a kind of a bit of a bribe to get kids into school and then once you're in school for breakfast you're kind of in school and that's or is it the right thing to do to yes of... it's the right thing to do if it's targeted correctly on the right people however it like everything else it sets a dangerous precedent because yes, yeah. what it's saying is you don't need to worry same as the, the, the teeth brushing thing mm. you don't need to worry about brushing your teeth they'll do it at school yeah you don't have to give them breakfast they'll do it at school you don't i, I don't need to give you breakfast mm. school is sort you out i don't need to read you a book school to read you a book i mean can, can the... i don't need to educate you because that's what I pay my taxes for. You go educate yeah, my yeah, child for me. Yeah, so, so it kind of part, it moves, it shifts it all off to, the individual or the parent. And hey, the parent's happy because, hey, you know what? We've got a fully automated service called school, yeah. which pretty much which keeps our children until I come home. Yeah. And that allows me to work longer hours, earning more money, yeah. and pay more taxes. Yeah. And, and that, again... That's me putting my Uber cynical hat on and saying, what is this driven by? Is it driven by... Is it driven from a benevolence for children? Is it driven by their love for us, teaching profession, holding the lines we have? Or is it driven by economic yeah. necessity and, of course, low-hanging fruit of gaining votes? Yeah. I'll let you decide. I mean, is, is it, is it, uh, there's two questions about the Breakfast Club. Is it a bad thing, really, that we know that every child is fed in the, in the first instance? It's the same with free school meals. Why don't you just say universal free school okay, meals? So let, let's just go universal free the, school meals. The, the, the second concern I have Pensioners get a universal pension. Yeah. Why do we give a pension to every pensioner and don't means tested, yeah, and not give a free school meal to every child? Yeah. At least then, every you know every child's been fed, and I don't understand yeah. it. That one I can't yeah. figure out. The, the next question is: Can schools provide a nutritious breakfast for every child? Is is, is there enough infrastructure there? No. Or or is there a danger that loads of kids just have hash browns and toast? Well, it's the Jamie Oliver argument yeah. again of like, here, here's some here's some Belgian waffles with some syrup on here. Yes. <laughs> that I mean, nutritious I mean, breakfast. I mean, there's, there's a danger there, isn't there, of, yeah. of some parents then almost, you know, who would have given maybe um, a, 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 a you know, healthy breakfast, just think, hey, free breakfast, just go and get I it. Know. Just, just go and get I it know. there. And the child comes back, because I've had this from my own children who, are, who have been brought up to cook and no food and everything else but they still come home and say what do you have for lunch bag of popcorn and what, what happened to all those lessons around kind of cooking and nutrients oh, yeah we couldn't, I, we, couldn't, we couldn't get in the queue i think that's busy. another scandal that's another scandal about waiting to have and i noticed that in derbyshire for instance um they've increased the price of free uh, yes. school meals yeah, from yeah. two pound fifty to three pound twenty five yeah. and i had a, a colleague who's a parent saying i'm struggling and they're a teacher yeah so what other parents must be saying, the problem is then what goes in the lunchbox. We've seen those stories about kids with empty lunchboxes because they can't. I think it's a national, it's almost Dickensian. Yeah, so, so, I think, yeah, it's, so, I think so, so, free school meals, I agree with the rap brown clubs, I re agree with feeding the kids, but provided it's like everything else, I don't mind giving a child a pen if they're short of a pen, if they've lost a pen. But if I'm giving a child a pen every day and the child comes to me and says to me, Sir, you give me, and I've had that. Sir, you give me a pen. No, I'm not doing <laughs> it. I am not because if they could good enough to bring their mobile phone into school, we had a boy the other day had no equipment. But guess what he had in his pocket? Three vapes. And I went, Well, you've got no equipment, you've got three vapes. <laughs> Maybe he thought he picked up highlighters, highlighter pens. Yeah, but you see, to me, he didn't forget his vapes, he didn't get his mobile phone, yeah. but he forgot his equipment. And the assumption was, and he actually said it, But sir, you give me the equipment. And I went, and there is the problem. Sometimes the more you do for people, the more they expect. And then, then when you turn around and say, well, that's not creating an independent, that's not creating an independent culture. We want our children, we want our parents to be independent as well. We want to increase their confidence. 
What's that going to do? It's going to make it increase dependency, and then it's going to increase increase dependency. What is our primary function as educators? Educate children. It's not to rear them. It's not to be their parents. It's not to step in and and be their parents. It's to support their parents. So the teachers really a bit like we're support. We're not the thing. But we have to almost expect the attendance. But the problem with that also is that what do you do? when it is holidays. And we saw again during the pandemic, mm. what happened is, okay, we feed these people for a while, and then what happens when schools closed? You have to carry on feeding. What happens if I close tomorrow, close the food banks mm. in this school? What happens if you just said, right, all the food banks are closed tomorrow? Yeah. Well, people, people either have to make a choice. They have to 15 years ago, there wasn't hardly a food bank yeah. in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I have huge concerns over food banks in terms of the creep into this, like, the, the normalisation of it. And that's... Yeah, and especially businesses are set up now. 1984, worst thing we did was send all that grain to Africa, feed the world, absolutely shot ourselves in the foot. We sent grain out, we sent grain out, population increased. They're in a worse situation now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's this dependency culture. We want to create people of sustainability and independence and I'm not a big fan of over-interfering. Same with the children. If you over-help children, they become dependent. We don't want to create. It's not sustainable. You're going to need more. It's got to be sustaining itself, and it's got to be correct. It's got to be targeted. It's got to be thought through. It's not got to be, look, let's just put some, some of this in because it's popular. And that's the problem with a lot of these policies. They're well, driven by populism. We're in, that, we're in, the, we're in the year now, aren't we? Well, um, so yeah. we've, we've been kind of, um, you know, going on for a while there's there's a couple people um in the room any thoughts on what we've been discussing so far on attendance how's it going in your school have you noticed any of the things we've been talking about tonight do you have any solutions maybe uh for the um huge attendance problem that's in schools is it characteristic do we incentivize coming to school or as you say do we go down the route of increasing the fines you know, what do we do to parents? Do we do we threaten parents, cajole parents? Do we yeah. how do we in persuade both children and parents that school is the place that they should yeah. be going to? How big would a fine be to really encourage people to say we can't we literally have to go into school because is is it too low to fine? Was it hundred quid under him? But the problem with that is, as you say, you imagine you have this finding system and there's a there's a set of parents who never do anything wrong. Mm. It's a bit like the kid. That that one to me is a bit like the kid who never does anything wrong yeah. and then all of a sudden they do one thing wrong and their punishment's exponentially more than the kid who's naughty who gets, well done today, you, you said your name correctly and you yeah. didn't you didn't kick off. Here's a reward for you. And there's a child over there who, you know, is always good. Yeah. And you often get that, don't you? That, that sometimes that things systems like that don't always target the right individuals because yeah, you're right. Yeah. They might might be able to. You might have a family who really genuinely has a reason for the holiday, and they may come a cropper up and who can't afford the, the fine. Versus the one who's gone. Well, we went to one. You know, we went to a seven star hotel in Dubai. Stick that on the tab. Yeah. And that's the problem with that. And that's what I think is 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 a little bit hidden in this. And, and and again, I think context of school is important. Right. We are sponsored, of course, by John Cat Educational. Um, they are leading professional development books and resources to help our teachers and learning um, here and in other countries in the world please check out the latest releases you might get them at you will get a code or 20% off code of JCTT or 2324 for 20% off and you'll find them at johncat2tsbookshop.com uh, all one word uh, and explore the full range of titles from across all the educational spectrum um, so have a have a look at that and again if you've got some regifting to do 
Um, that could be some of that regifting money that you've recouped from the present that you didn't want at Christmas, <laughs> or that secret Santa that was so inappropriate that you're you're so ashamed of it that you've just put it in a box and then. Am I Ken enough? Are you? Yeah. Are you? Are you? You're wearing a multicolored. Am I Ken enough? Yeah, it's, it's up on Twitch if anyone wants to see the glory. Yeah. You want to see of, the glory. Of, of, of the, so um, the, the other thing was these um, like attendance hubs or, yeah. or specialists. Attendance. So explain to me what an attendance hub is. Then. Well, I, th I think that the idea is, is that they're going to be, um, you know, up and down the country. I know, I know one in Derby that's been chosen, um, and it's there's 32 hubs that provide support and help to drive down um, absences across the country. However, it equates to fewer than one in ten schools, um, and uh, it's a 50 mi million pound expansion of the attendance monitoring scheme and to reach more than 10,000 persistently absent pupils. Um, obviously, we've mentioned the uh, campaign that kind of goes with it. Um, but the, I think the idea is that these hubs kind of reach out to and support schools. So it's an outreach programme. Yeah, so these are yeah. schools, I presume, who have got good attendance or feel like they know how to uh, deal with attendance. Um, the only issue is that I know the school that's been chosen uh, locally to me um, the context of the school is completely different to all the other schools. For example, it's a school where there is an element of selection. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a buy-in and a motivation and, and, factor, and, yeah. And, and, and because this is yeah. a school, people come from far and wide yeah. to get there, whereas my daughter's school, which is your local kind of comprehensive, just capture, capture they, the they capture, area. They literally they capture reflect the, area. the catchment area. They, they reflect the area. Yeah. So I don't know... Um, how well they are going to be, you know, how 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 well those schools are going to be able to reach the context of the other. Of the Putting other cynical hat on, good headlines. Are you take it off? <laughs> no, no, good headlines. Yeah, seem to be doing something. Yeah. What, what, many million was that? Fifteen. Fifteen million pounds yeah. for persistent attendance. How many air purifiers? Well, I would go back to <laughs> we needed fifteen billion for for COVID catch up. Yeah. What did we get? One point four. So again, there's a lot of talk about how important it is, but in the grand scheme of things, 15 million quid, don't get me wrong about 15 million quid, I would say it's not a lot, but spreading 15 million quid around 27, 26, 27,000 schools around the country who are struggling with attendance, not exactly going yeah. to solve the problem, is it? But it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be possibly something, if, if they say yeah. to us that we will try these hubs and then make it a universal policy across the whole country, that might start make a difference. but for me, that's just generating some nice headlines. There's there's another cynical hat. Oh. If, you look at, if you look at the the N word of a lot of these uh, schools, uh, yeah, trust. Oh. They, they're, they're kind of quite well known schools. Uh, so, are you they're, saying they've took some flagship trust schools well, and then say well, they're, they're they're obviously schools that are very popular with uh, they're they're on a kind of speed dial, I think too. Oh, yeah. those ones that have some clout and some connections yeah, yeah. That, that of course are able to bypass certain rules like their their children their children don't do GCSE music and have the best results in the country. Those type of schools we're talking yeah. about, you I mean, seem I mean, to be they, able to. They, they are literally all, they are all mm. literally all the. Schools are trusts, oh. uh, which is kind of an interesting. Um, so it says schools up there, then it's like they are actually kind of oh. academy, academy. So teams. there's no local authority schools yeah. there. I can't, I, I can't say. I wonder a good body of work would be yeah. do local authority schools. Here's one for you primary school attendance is not as bad as secondary school attendance. Why? Is secondary school attendance worse because teenagers are more rebellious? Is secondary school worse because teenagers have more discipline issues? Or is attendance 
more of an issue than primary school because a lot of primary schools are still under local authority control. Yeah, it could be. There's, there's, there's a, there's a yeah. but, but, but also, kind of, it's there is, there is a piece of action yeah. research if somebody wants yeah, to do it. But also, we know the primary school stuff, being mentioned before, you know, it's, it's one teacher. Better communication. Better communication. Yeah, good point. There's, there's, there's good lots point. of buying at that age. Yeah. Um, the primary school, if I think about how often I've been to the comprehensive school, my daughters are in the second yeah. year, very yeah. infrequently. Local primary school, we were there every other week, every other month, something like that, with something going on in the school, yeah. PTA doing something. More engagement, yeah. more community, yeah. more it, connection. It just felt like the door was open. Yeah. Kids are also, it sounds weird, in a, in a, in a Piaget maturation cycle, you know, younger children are more keen, enthusiastic, willing to learn. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's definitely a lot more buy-in from younger children because they're just more soaking it up. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love that when you go into year six to do outreach in year six, the new kids coming in and like, oh, aren't they lovely? How long do we give them before we've destroyed them in a second? <laughs> uh, and again, it's, it's it's a compliment to primary yeah. schools. I think they are fantastic in how they, they work with the young people. And don't get me wrong, secondary schools, we work really hard. It's just, it's just, it's just more tiring. If I look at my daughter We're having now, to fight more. Aren't well, it's we? not just that. It's just a more tiring experience. If you think about it, kind of if you if you i guess if you had to put like if you want a tracker on a kid in school mm. and think about how much physicality there is and just movement and how much stimulation they've got to absorb interaction it's, it's a massively draining experience but, but maybe maybe, maybe that's the issue with the tenants mm. is let's look at the psychology of our children yeah. the toxicity of schools the social media that's another aspect yeah. the bullying the cyber bullying the social media the exhaustion the exam exhaustion the yeah, stress yeah. The, the hormones. The hormones. Yeah. The, I, I do think the cost of living crisis has had an impact yeah. in the sense of there are some children at home looking after children in order for free yeah. childcare. And I hate saying that. In other words, there was economic necessity driving some children out of education. There always has been. Yeah. There's always been those people that left at school at 15 and said, I'm going straight down the mines. I'm going straight into a job. I'm yeah, going yeah. to my uncle's business. There was friends I went to school with who straight away, I'm going to be dry, I'm going to be working in my uncle's lorry business straight away. And, and they've done well for themselves because they've worked you know, didn't even finish the GCSEs and they knew straight away they had a job. So it's always been that kind of people who were absent. And, and we, there was people at school who were long-term yeah. absent when I was at school. And there was different... wasn't for them, was it? School wasn't yeah. for them. And, and there's always been, but this is something, there's something new about that. There's something more but going back, on. I think we, where we struggle as uh, educators is, is I feel now I'm more neurologically aware yeah. of all of what's going on around a child. But yet... The attendance is getting worse. There seems to be people, more people, kind of moving away from me. Even though I'm getting more, I, I'm honing my skills into yeah. in, into understanding and being much more empathetical to everyone's needs. I'm going to put a controversial hat on as well. Yeah. Oh God, that's two hats. Um, I think, unfortunately, some parents are risk adverse, mm. and as soon as the child turns around and says, "I'm not happy at school." I think going back to our snow plowing barrier parents, yeah, yeah. they want school to be perfect for their children. Yeah, yeah. They want school to be this experience. Mm. And I think some parents are scared. And and again, children sometimes don't help when they go home and say, I've had this done to me, that done to me. And it's yeah. not always true. I, 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 think think there's a, I think there's a definite yeah. cult, there's a definite yeah, yeah. fear culture gets got in of, yeah. of my child's been bullied. My child's not safe. My child is is being picked upon, and unfortunately, parents don't always believe the schools. And I think in, in the past there would have been a kind of resilience that baked into it. Mm. So I don't think the parents are as resilient as they used to be, yeah. and I think there is a definite lot more. I think it's a societal fear. I, I, it's hard to describe it. I'm not saying people are 
I'm going to say, people aren't as tough as they used to be. Yeah. I, I think, well, the, what I sent you an article today about... This, They're not as hardy, this, are this they? This guy in the FT uh, was talking about the use of language in in literature. And yeah. He was, he was linking it to the Industrial Revolution. And the, the language that was used pre-Industrial Revolution was much more kind of positive, go-getter. And you compare that to literature now... It is very safe. negative, safe. And, um, and I think yeah. the number of complaints you're seeing sometimes, it's kind so of like... Society's moved that way. It, it has got into a kind of... And, you, you, and don't get me wrong, health and safety culture is a lot better. I take, I'm taking kids to Borneo this year with the World Challenge, don't get me wrong. And I compare my World Challenge in 1996 where there was very little health and safety. You know, it's good that we have health and safety. It's good that we're more aware. It's good that we know about neurodiversity. But I think there's sometimes, unfortunately, um, people feeding off it. You know, my child's got this, my child's got that. And and the kids I, I worship and think the worst, sorry, the most of, the ones I think of, the ones who just absolutely inspire me, are the ones who have, you know, diabetes and monitor their own diabetes, the ones who have got some sort of illness, who just, just get on with it, or the parents who've been through some adversity and you see them at parents' even and you go, how you keep them going? And you know their story and you know some children's story and they come and they turn up every day and they've got every right to turn around and say, you know what? I can't do this. And those ones inspire me sometimes because they could be. And what frustrates me sometimes is there is other children you say to yourself, where are they? What's wrong? And, this, and I'm not saying there's not the same issues, but I think mentality is what I'm saying. There is that we, we don't work enough on mentality. We don't work enough on resilience and stoicism and the soft skills. And again, it goes back to curriculum that if we need to build up the confidence of our young people, but also the confidence of parents as well. Mm. And the confidence of, of people in society, there is, and media has amplified this. Media doesn't help because there's pylons now. And, and you get that with schools now, you know, all of a sudden people have their grievances. They, they don't take it up. They don't, they don't solve it. They want to complain. Yeah but they don't want to. So they say, you know, I'm not going to send my child into school until this problems are resolved. Whereas how, how are we going to resolve it? Really? And it's not like, you resolve this problem, and then you, when you resolve this problem, I will send my child back into school. I think there's a lot more of that, of kind of like, until you've end up your end of the bargain, I'm not sending my child into school. I don't, what I'm getting at, I don't think parents feel obliged that they have to send their children into school. Yeah. That now, it's kind of like, I'm not obliged to, it's option. I think it's for some it's now become optional and for some it's become optional because they don't feel the school's meeting their needs or it's not what they want it to be their children or equally they're upset because they haven't got what they want or they genuinely have had a problem not being resolved and schools sometimes have to take some ownership yeah, and responsibility exactly. if they have broken that relationship or they have a rule that you know and it's 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 a two-way system but I think definitely that social media hasn't helped attendance because you're right i think now as you say some some kids and this is where maybe nobody wants to explore this if some people in your class are all sick and they get away with it mm. if some people have a holiday they get away with it yeah. there's a loosening isn't there there's a course, there's a yeah. definite lowering of standards of kind of now what's acceptable has changed yeah. and i think that's really the cultural shift and it's hard to say that who, who do you blame for it yeah. or is this just a natural progression moving away from a society that used to be industrial to yeah. schools that were industrial to now when dad works from home why come dad can work from home and i can't work yeah, from yeah. home yeah i guess so wow so again hard one but we haven't uh, solved it um nine o'clock thank you very much for um listening uh today um and obviously kind of uh you know welcome back to 2014 and now we're back in the swing of things yeah um i'm sure this looks like 2014 come back to um is it paul on next is, is paul, yes, paul 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 has heard my contemporary from the prof is he on next 
I think he is over on the other side. He's yes, it's like he's on he's on pod team at the moment, as far as I'm aware. So you can shift over there uh, and listen to Paul at the moment. He's he's uh, the, the prof. I actually think the prof's at some. Um, he's at a conference at the moment. I think he might be doing this from a conference. Oh, wow. So I've seen that. I've seen on his Twitter. So he, I think he might be going live from a conference, which is fantastic. Uh, we will in a couple couple of months. We'll be shifting on to um, Steamyard. Yeah, we will. Um, we will. We're eventually yeah. shifting us on to Steamyard in a couple of months, yeah. and we'll get ready for that. That yeah, transition. Yeah, I've got a few bits to do before. Yeah, before he's, uh, You've got a few life changes to make, <laughs> including um, getting rid of um, the current current outfit. I like it, by the way. I think I think real men can wear real men real, wear pink yeah, yeah. yeah real men real, real, real men wear pink it's more than, more than pink I think it's everything it is so you can make a comment on, on the I am I'm kidding are you kidding enough I haven't watched Barbie yet but apparently it's, it, it's, 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 it's a good laugh it doesn't take it all too seriously it's, it's a good well it generated a lot of criticism yeah. I mean I went I went of course I being a history teacher I went I went to, towards Oppenheimer of course okay. I couldn't get into that it wasn't, it wasn't my film. I went to see Wonka on Sunday. Did you see Wonka? Fantastic. And of course, I would recommend um, I would recommend the Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. Yes. But um, I, I will admit that I did get very emotional, like a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, my wife did. Yeah, she was very upset yeah, during it. I did. But yeah. the, what, as, as my students today, studying democracy, did say to me, they, 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 we do democracy and rights. They did see parallels with, with, with other things in history, and you think, it's good that sometimes the little guys can win, and yeah. and I think we in education are sometimes the little guys. And I think over the next couple of months, hopefully, we can start to see some improvements in school. So, just to round it all off, it is positive to see that you know the people who might be the future decision makers or the current decision makers are focusing on schools, and that's what we want to see continue. However, I hope that their policies are driven by the desire to improve things in schools rather than improve things for themselves. And that will be my final yeah, point. Well, yeah, well, well, Oh, well, what a finish. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. And good night.